Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Center with Victor Jackson. I want to thank all of you for joining. Uh, God has been doing some amazing things in this series, and I am so thankful that all of you have joined us uh, in this journey. Um, we've been going through the scriptures verse by verse, and the Word of God is so revelatory and so special. Um, there's so many different nuances and, and nuggets uh, that we cannot ignore. Uh, that's the power of going verse by verse. There's some things that we would never talk about if we didn't go through the scriptures verse by verse. Um, there have been some people that have uh, visited our church recently from uh, different different cities and, and even different countries and that listen and tune into our podcast and they'd say that they even found our church uh, through the podcast. And so I'm thankful that the word of God is going outside of the four walls and that it's being a light uh, to people of different nations and different kindreds and different tongues. What an honor it is to share the word of God with you. So let's, let's continue our journey through the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. And when Jesus perceived he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I speak it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees, then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. 
we're coming into the 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 shifting point and the climax of the gospel of Matthew and so I want to teach to you on this subject um, the doctrine of Christ the doctrine of Christ Matthew's goal in his gospel is to minister to the Jews and persuade them that Jesus is the Christ but that he is the savior, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, everyone that's not a Jew. The theme of his gospel is fulfillment. And he wants to let the Jews know that all the Old Testament law, the law and the prophets is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He did not come to destroy the law, but he came to fulfill it. And this presence of Jesus Christ was completely uh, shifting everything in Jerusalem, everything with the theologians, with the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests. Jesus was wrecking uh, the religious system because he was bringing the original intent of the writings instead of these rabbinical interpretations and traditions that were handed down. And so uh, the, the Bible is showing us the intense persecution that is coming uh, from this religious system because Jesus is sticking out like a sore thumb and the main reason why is because what he is saying, he is doing. There's nothing that threatens hells more than someone that speaks it and does it. Someone that speaks it and lives it. Someone that doesn't just hear, but does. And we see this in the, in the book of Acts because it's not the book of thoughts, the book of revelations, the book of intentions, the book of, of philosophy. It's the book of Acts. It is the Acts of the Apostles. And what made the New Testament church what it was, was not what it only said, but what they did. It wasn't the beauty of enticing words of man's wisdom, but there was a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. There's something about God that he follows and he moves in people that are willing to act. That's one thing that has been lost in the New Testament church. We have a lot of talkers. We have a lot of speakers. We have a lot of motivation. We have a lot of TED Talks. We don't have a lot of action. And communities are changed by action. Churches are changed by action. And Jesus was a disruptor because while everyone else is spending time expounding the law, he's expounding the law in word and deed. And people could handle the word, but they had no room for the deeds. And so the world was forever changed by the acts of Jesus and by the acts of of the apostles. There's something about living it and doing it uh, that is transformational. 
And if that's one, that's one thing that uh, the New Testament church has to get better at, we've got to get back to acting upon God's word. There's a lot of people that like to say, my life was changed, my life was changed, my life was changed from going to this conference, from going to this conference, from going to this conference. Or they say, God spoke to me. We must ask ourselves the question, why does God speak? Uh, why does God speak? Everyone likes to say, God spoke to me. Why does God speak? He, God doesn't talk just to talk. He doesn't, he's not like, hey guys, I'm speaking. Isn't this awesome? You're like, oh, wow, God's speaking. Whoa, that's awesome. No, God only speaks so you can act upon what he has spoken. So we have to ask ourselves an honest question. When's the last time we acted upon the word? Because there's something about acting on the word and being obedient to the word that is just so powerful and transformational. And this is what hell fears. And the issue is that the Pharisees were holding to a doctrine that spoke well, just didn't live well. A doctrine that spoke of the things of God, but not living the things of God. And many times people's in, improper application comes from improper theology. Improper application or lack of application comes from lack of theology. Because if you know it, you're going to act upon it. And that's what is going to transform the world again when we get back to doing the word. Um, not just to hear, but to do. And in doing the word, there is power. In doing the simplicity of the word, there is power. And so Jesus' presence exposed the lack of openness to obey. There was a lot of talk, but it's the obedience that shakes things. So the Bible says that when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Now remember, they had just fed the 5,000 with the loaves and fishes. They just fed the 4,000 with the loaves and fishes. And they took up 12 baskets full, and they took up seven baskets full. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. Jesus is using this bread as a lesson about doctrine. The word doctrine just means teaching. So he's using the bread as a teaching point. It has nothing to do with them not taking bread, but he's going to use this bread as a teaching point concerning doctrine. And when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many baskets ye took up? Listen to this. How is it that you do not understand that I spake not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, 
Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, listen to this, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. So Jesus distributes the bread to the disciples. Now I want you to see he's showing, he's giving a, a symbolism here between bread and doctrine. So what did he do to the 5,000? He gave the bread to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people. Notice he didn't directly hand the bread to the people. He handed it to the disciples and the disciples handed it to the people. What, why is that significant? So the bread is teaching. So he hands the teaching to the disciples and it's the disciples' responsibility to hand that same teaching from Christ to the people. And the first time they did this, they took up 12 baskets full. That represents the 12 tribes of Israel because he's saying the teaching that I'm giving to you, this bread I'm giving to you, you have a responsibility to distribute it to all the Jews, to all the 12 tribes of Israel. Now we go to the Gentiles. They, he, he, he gives the bread to the disciples again, and the disciples distribute it to the Gentiles, and they take up seven baskets full. So again, he gives the teachings to the disciples. It's the disciples' responsibility to bring this teaching to the Gentiles. So what he's saying here is that beware of the leaven of the Pharisees Beware of their doctrine because he says the leaven of the Pharisees is hypocrisy that they say, but they don't do. They speak, but they don't live. And he even says in one place, do what they say, just don't do what they do. Let it never be said of a leader that you, you speak well, but you just don't live well because the life is what gives power to preaching. You cannot minister beyond your life. You cannot exude what you are not. It will not, it will not hold weight. It will not hold weight. It only holds weight if there is a life that backs up the preaching. There must be a life. And the doctrine of the Pharisees, it's like leaven that they don't live it. And if we, if you keep on being exposed to their their teaching and exposed to them, you can pick up some bad habits and pick up some bad things where you start living hypocritically because of what you're hearing from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You have to guard your ears. I told this story several months ago about a person in Texas that I told them, um, I saw them and they were healthy and they were good. And then I, and then I didn't see them for a year. And then I saw them again later. And I said, Hey man, where were you? Are you okay? He said, man, you don't understand brother Jackson. I was, I couldn't get out of my bed for six months. He said, I was in my bed. I couldn't walk for six months. And I said, what happened to you? Did you get in a car wreck? Did you go through some type of pain? Like, what, what happened? Were, were, were you sick? Did you have some illness? He, I said, what happened to you where you could not get out of bed? 
what happened to you where you could not walk, that you were confined to your bed and needed to be taken care of for six months. I said, what happened? He said, I just started learning how, how to walk again from therapy. I said, what happened to you? He said, all that happened to me, Brother Jackson, was that my inner ear was damaged. Ah, That he had a fully capable body, but his ears affected how he walked. Oh my goodness, I hope someone's getting this. His inner ear was damaged where he got something of like a vertigo where he could not, there's a balancing that comes in your ears. And if those inner ears are damaged, it affects the whole balance of the body. So no matter how capable your body is, if your ears are damaged, you cannot walk straight. Ah, I hope you're getting this right now. How you hear affects how you walk. How you hear affects, determines if you're handicapped or if you're mobile. You can have a fully capable faith, ah, belief in God, and, and just a powerful disposition. But if you are taking in the wrong things in your ears, it will affect how you walk. And I've seen innocent people get damaged because of what they're taking in their ears. If you notice, if you listen, if you are around someone long enough, that's why the Bible says evil communications corrupt good manners, meaning what you are around will eventually start bleeding uh, into your life. What you are hearing all the time will start coming out in conver will start coming out in, in, in conversation. Uh, I've seen people that they'll start listening to uh, whether it be a news anchor or whether it be a preacher, and they listen to them so much that they start taking on their mannerisms. Have you ever seen this? They, they'll start taking on their mannerisms. I'll, I'll talk about whenever I was in Canada. Uh, I got a shout out to Andy Nyman. I, I love my, peop my people from uh, Canada, uh, the Yukon Church, the, the Carmax Church, uh, Brother Wagner, all, all of these amazing people. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was in Canada. And uh, the Yukon, 4,000 miles from here. And I got to spend some time with them. And I had such a great time spending time with them. I stayed in their house throughout the, throughout the revival. And uh, we were going into the Indian villages, uh, teaching Bible studies. Uh, an, an amazing tribe out there, the First Nation tribe. Shout out to the First Nation tribe. Uh, I had such a joy spending time with them. And um, <laughs> guys, you got to love this. Because I was there for a week and I was with them all day, the way Brother Nyman speaks is he speaks like this. He speaks very, very uh, measured and, and slow. He's like, I, I went to the store, eh? And when I went to the store, eh? I came back with some soup, eh? And then I came home, eh? 
And we sat down together, eh? And I mean, that's that's how the whole conversation was. And I'm telling every it was all just slow. You know, uh, American culture is very rapid. So I'm so used to that quick, 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 quick. But there he, it was very slow. And and uh, his wife, Estelle, would, would make a soup. She's French. She speaks French. She's from the uh, Quebec uh, area. And we just had an amazing time. Well, by the end of the week, when I was talking to Brother Nyman, I was like, Brother Nyman, I'm going home, eh? When I go back to Florida, eh? God's going to do something, eh? By the time, by the end of the week, I was speaking like Pastor Nyman because what I heard all week started coming forth out of me. See, you have to protect what you hear. And if it's not biblical, if it's not unto edification, right, it is affecting you. All this guy in Texas needed to do was to fix his ears. And once he fixed his ears, he fixed his walk. Take heed how you hear. That's what Jesus said. Take heed how you hear. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, people that are speaking one thing, but living something else. Beware because it can affect you. Because you know what it's going to say? You're going to say, hey, man, if they're not doing it, I'm not going to do it either. Right? It'll affect you. Your surroundings do affect you. Right? And so and so, take heed how you hear. Uh, and so... Uh, it took me. It took me a few days to lose lose my Canadian accent. <laughs> Let me tell you something though. That was my first time having Canadian bacon. I want to give honor to all my Canadian friends. Y'all have the best bacon. Canadian bacon is a game changer. Uh, I realized that they were. Um, Thank you. That's all I'll say. Thank you. Thank you. Um, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees. He said, because it's like a little leaven. You get just a little bit of it, and it'll start spreading all throughout your life. So you got to be careful what you hear, and even when it, when it comes to false doctrine. We have to tune our ears to the word of God, because what we hear, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not that I might not sin against thee. For instance, I'll give him uh what did he say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? Faith doesn't come by my opinions, it doesn't come by my preferences, it doesn't come by my traditions, it doesn't come by my background. Faith only comes by the hearing of the word of God. And so we have to stay true to that word in order to cultivate faith. And how you hear will affect how you walk. Somebody needs to, needs to post that, comment that, share that. How you hear affects how you walk. All right, verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom? Do men say that I, the son of man, am now we have to stop here because 
He comes to Caesarea Philippi. This is a, a Gentile region. This is where Jews uh, do not travel. It's primarily uh, a Gentile region, uh, Caesarea Philippi. And it was very known for their people worshiping um, the false god Pan. Uh, Pan was a he-goat, what, what they would call a satyr. At the top of his body, he's man. At the bottom of his body, he's goat. And they would worship this false god with all types of uh, immoral activities. And, and there were so many different nuances and cultures and false doctrines in Caesarea Philippi. The atmosphere was full of myths and, and mythological beliefs and, and, and the, their immoral activities to worship this God. They would sacrifice their children to this God. They would go into a cave and commit orgies unto this God. They believed that this God would, would come out of this cave at night and that, and that, and come out and commit these immoral activities, and they would honor this God with these immoral activities. And then in the day that the, that this God Pan would go back and descend back into this cave. Now, um, he chooses to bring him there. That this cave that he would ascend and descend that they believed in, it was called the gates of hell. Uh, the gates of Hades, and they would commit all types of uh, false worship at the gates of Hades. It was literally a center of false doctrine, a center of false ideologies and false beliefs. And Jesus strategically chooses this place to ask the question, who do men say that I am? Wow. He has a question ringing in his spirit. Who do men say that I am? He, he has something pulsating in him. He, he has a question in him. I, I want to bring you into a contrary atmosphere. And I want to see, can you bring out the proper revelation of who I am while you're surrounded by a contrary atmosphere? What Jesus wanted to know was, does the atmosphere affect how you see me? Does your surroundings affect what you think of my identity? Or can somehow in the pressure of this atmosphere, can you pull out who I am in my authenticity? Or does the atmosphere taint your perception of me? Am I, am I just an American Jesus? Am I just a European Jesus? Am I just an, Af an, an African Jesus or an Australian Jesus or a Greenland Jesus or a Canadian Jesus? Does this atmosphere affect how you see me? Or can you pull the Bible Jesus out of a contrary atmosphere? Ooh, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because uh, it's easy to make Jesus into 
what we are what we know and what we are comfortable with but it takes a lot of strength to get the authentic version of Jesus without the influence of the culture and so he wants to know in this atmosphere can you get the proper doctrine oh my oh my oh my are are does your doctrine get tainted by the contrary atmosphere Ooh, I, I think this is hitting home here. I, this is this is the challenge of discipleship. It's getting the correct version of Jesus. I don't I don't want the Russian Jesus, the China Jesus, the American Jesus. I want the Bible Jesus. I want the Jesus that is in the scriptures, the Jesus that is willing to walk on water, the Jesus that died for the sins of the whole world, the Jesus that died for everyone that's under a monarchy, that's under communism, that's under a democracy, that's under all this, under a caste system. Ah, because Jesus is willing to touch the untouchables because Jesus is willing to reach into the slums, into the poverty. He's willing to reach into the palace. He's willing to reach into the governments and the parliaments. I'm telling you, there's no place that Jesus isn't willing to visit. That is the Bible, Jesus, I know. Give me the Bible, Jesus. But, But we have to be like John the Revelator. You see, John was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. And they exiled him to the Isle of Patmos because of him preaching on Jesus. Now, listen to this, guys. Y'all, I'm excited this morning. You see, I'm feeling a little better. I still got a little cough, but I'm feeling a little better. They exiled John on the Isle of Patmos for one reason. For preaching Jesus. So they put him in isolation to try to take his revelation from him, thinking that the atmosphere would cause him to go crazy. They put him in an atmosphere to take his revelation from him, the Isle of Patmos. But in that atmosphere, he got the book of Revelation. Y'all going to throw me out of here. They put him in an atmosphere to take his revelation of Jesus from him. But in that atmosphere, he wrote the book of Revelation and he used the atmosphere to push him into the revelation of Jesus instead of losing his revelation of Jesus. What am I saying? What I'm saying is Jesus brings them into Caesarea Philippi to see if the atmosphere is going to dilute their revelation of Jesus or if it's going to enhance their revelation of Jesus. Will we allow the pressure to push us into truth or will, will we allow the pressure to make us cave into deception? I don't know about you, but I want to hold on to the doctrine of Christ uh, through hell or high water. I want to hold through the doctrine of Christ in the mountains and in the valleys. I want to hold to the doctrine of Christ over everything. And the atmospheres that are trying to pressure me to give up my revelation actually strengthens my revelation. Whom do men say that I am? What are they saying about me in society? Who are people saying that I am? 
What does Western culture say that I am? Am I just a prophet or am I just an ATM God where I just, where you just make a withdrawal every now and again, but don't come into relationship? Am I, am, what, what, what am I? What, what are people saying about me? Am I just a way? Am I a way to you or am I the way? Am I a truth to you or am I the truth? Am I a life to you or am I the life? I, I'm using the atmosphere to help you to find uh, my identity and who I am. And it'll either push you into the spirit of truth or it will pull you into the spirit of deception. They said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. He said, now, I, I'm glad that you're seeing the atmosphere. You're hearing what they're saying about me. You're hearing the doctrine of what they're saying about me. You're hearing it. Ah, Ooh, and it's like leaven. Will this leaven penetrate the doctrine of Christ? Will this leaven penetrate how you see me? Verse 15, and he said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? He says, now we got the pressure, we got the culture, we got the atmosphere, we got the environment. But now I'm asking you personally, who do you say that I am? Because I'm using this pressure to see what you have on the inside. Who do you say that I am? Verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Ah, Peter allowed the pressure to push him into revelation. He allowed the questions on the outside to provoke revelation on the inside. He allowed the question to push him into understanding and to push him into revelation. It says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow. In a contrary atmosphere, he makes that confession. In a place that he's supposed to backslide, he makes that confession. In a place that is so contrary to everything that he was raised in, he makes that confession. He came with the confession of truth surrounded by error. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. He says, Listen, Simon, when anytime you see bar, it means son. Simon, son of Jonah, flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee. Listen, you didn't get this revelation from your background. You didn't get this from a rabbinical tradition. You didn't get this from a rabbi. You didn't get this from your daddy. You didn't get this from earth. My word. He says, but my father, which is in heaven, he said, you got this in the spirit. Oh my, and that's how you keep your revelation of Jesus. That's how you keep the doctrine of Christ when you get in the spirit. That's why spiritual disciplines are so important. That's why prayer 
and fasting and study is so important. Why? And and praise and worship. Why? It's so important because it creates and it invites the spiritual down. And the spirit, the Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. He said, you didn't get this from a book. You didn't get this off the shelf somewhere. He said, there was something revealed to you in the spirit. You allowed the pressures of society to push you into my presence. You got this in the spirit. Your daddy didn't teach you this. Your mama didn't teach you this. Your grandparents didn't teach you this. No one from your history taught you this. No one on earth taught you this. He said, my father revealed it to you from heaven. We have to allow the pressures of the culture to push us into revelation and what comes from heaven. It'll push you into sound doctrine. Ooh, you know if God is speaking to you and revealing something to you from heaven, if it aligns with his word. So Jesus says that you're blessed. He says, listen, the world's going to try to convince you that it's a curse to be in relationship with Jesus, that it's a curse to have this doctrine. But you're blessed. I said, you're blessed. It's not a curse to know him. Woo. You're blessed. If you know who Jesus is, you're blessed. If you know that Jesus is God in the flesh, you're blessed. If you know that he is, that he robed himself in flesh, you, my friend, are blessed. It's a blessing to walk with him. It's a blessing to talk with him. It's a blessing to spend time with him. It's a blessing to know him. You're blessed. It's a blessing to live for him. It's a blessing to walk holy. It's a blessing to worship him. It's a blessing to praise. It's a blessing. My friends, you are blessed. Because you didn't get this from man. You got it from him, from heaven. Because if man gave it to you, man could take it away from you. But if God gave it to you, no man could take it away from you. This revelation that I have, it didn't come from the systems of men. It came from the throne of heaven. So when all hell breaks loose against me, with when whatever armies uh, come against me, they cannot take away my revelation of who Jesus is. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. Ah, oh, he is the wonderful counselor. My, 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 my. I'm getting excited talking about Jesus because I got it from heaven, y'all. Ooh, I didn't get it from a book. I didn't get it from a cool book at Barnes and Noble. I didn't get it from a cool book from the local bookstore or Books A Million. I, I didn't get it from <laughs> Mardell's, uh, which, is, which is a Christian bookstore in Louisiana. I didn't get it from there. Somewhere I got along with God. Maha. Somewhere I got along in prayer. Somewhere I started seeking him. Somewhere I started feeling something pulling me. I, somewhere he started speaking to me through his scriptures. And I got a revelation that no devil in hell can take away from me. 
and I'm blessed, and you're blessed. He says it this way, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What did I say? I said they came, he brings them to the gates of Hades. He brings them, the gates of Hades is where they practice immorality and where they believe that the, the pan, uh, the God pan would ascend and descend. It is the place, it is the hub of false doctrine. And what Jesus is saying here is the false doctrines of the day will not prevail against the church of the living God. The false ideologies, the false systems, the false representations, ah, it will not prevail against the church of the living God. Now he introduces the concept of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones that are living differently according to the flow and the tide of the world, the called out ones that are not only speaking, but are living, that not, not only teaching the teachings of Christ, but living the teachings of Christ. My word, my word, I feel like talking to somebody. That's why the Bible says that the Lord worked with them, confirming his words uh, with signs following. He says, upon this rock, upon this revelation, the church is built upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. And no matter how much hell tries to dilute it or tone it down there's always going to be a church the church is going to be triumphant the church is going to have the victory the church is going to keep progressing nothing can stop the church of the living god once you are you are born again of the water and of the spirit you have been born into a glorious church you have become a citizen of a heavenly kingdom and nothing Nothing in this world can stop that revelation. He says, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. There is an authority with being in the church. We have the power to bind, and we have the power to loose. We can bind some things, and we can loose some things. We have the authority to speak in the name of Jesus. See, when you are a citizen of this heavenly kingdom, uh, you get a, a deed from the king. And when you get a deed from the king in his kingdom, you get to come into the territory that Satan is living in and issue the deed ah, and say, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Sickness can't stay here any longer. Cancer can't stay here any longer. Why? Because I got a deed from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he says that pain has to bow. Sickness has to bow. Depression has to bow. Anxiety has to bow. Everything has to bow. Why? I'm coming in the name of Jesus. And I have the authority to bind and loose because I got a deed from the king that says this belongs to him. This city, Orlando, belongs to him. 
Come on, somebody. Massachusetts belongs to him. Boston belongs to him. Delaware, Iowa, Idaho, Texas, Louisiana. Come on, somebody. I feel like I'm talking to you here. Mississippi, Minnesota, Washington, California, Australia, China, Africa. Come on, Europe, Britain. Uh, come on, somebody. I'm, I'm talking to you right now. Thailand, I've come to you with a deed in the name of Jesus that this belongs to Jesus Christ. So every demon, every spirit that is trying to conquer that territory, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. You have to bow. You have to move out of the way because I got, I have the authority to bind and loose because it, this church is built on the revelation of Jesus. Jesus. And now I'm coming in the name of a heavenly kingdom that says, you have to move out the way. There's a new sheriff in town. Come on, somebody. You have conquered this land long enough. Now I've come to proclaim the good news, the evangelion. I've come to proclaim the good news, that military good news, that that good news, the announcement and the and the announcement of victory of a military campaign, that's what the gospel is. I've come to give the evangelion the good news that, hey, you got to get out the way, devil. Ah, cancer has to get out of that body. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Come on, I'm talking to somebody listening right now. In the name of Jesus, depression that has been tormenting that body. In the name of Jesus, depression, you got to get out of there. The anxiety and the fear that has tried to conquer your body and make you ridden with fear and guilt and shame. I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I've got, I've got a deed that says, you got to get out of their depression. You got to get out of their anxiety. You got to get out of their fear. Why? I've got a deed from the king and I come in the name of Jesus Christ that says that this belongs to him because he purchased the church with his own blood. He did it legally. Ah, whoo. He, he, he bought the whole world legally. Everything belongs to him, but people don't know that it belongs to him yet. That's why we share the gospel. Oh my goodness. This is the, the climax. This is the, 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 the shift as he starts giving his identity tomorrow. We're going to talk about on how he gives the revelation of his death on how the kingdom is going to be, uh, advanced it's going to be through his death not through overcoming the roman military but by overcoming the the stain and the stench of sin and the bible says sin hath reigned since adam you see the the sin has tried to be king in a lot of people's lives and be master over a lot of people's life. And we have become servants of sin. We are serving this king's sin. But through his death, burial, and resurrection, he has defeated sin. Ah, and says now where sin reigned in your body, now my kingdom's going to reign in that body. My name is going to reign in that body. Oh my word, I'm so excited about the good news of Jesus Christ. 
I believe somebody can be healed listening to this podcast. I speak it in the name of Jesus be healed. I believe that someone could be set free while listening right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, be set free. I believe that somebody can receive hope right now as they're listening. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak hope over your life. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm coming in the name of Jesus Christ to say, I loose you in the name of Jesus. Everything has to bow through his name and through his blood and through his love. In the name of Jesus Christ. I'm just excited to share the word of God with you. Somebody just needs to pray where you are. Take this time and pray this morning wherever you are. Thank you for joining us. Share this podcast. I pray it's been a blessing to you. God is doing amazing things. Let's let God get the glory. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, For more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson, or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.